Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 73, Hacking EDU with Joe Marquez. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Kyle, my friend, how are you? Ben, um, I, I've said this one before, doing the best I can, but yep. uh, that was in regards to the pandemic, so a little bit different now, um, best I can. Yeah. yeah, we got some crazy S going on. Absolutely. <laughs> and no other way. And it's, you know, it's it's 100% understandable. Um, oh, I, for sure. I yeah. have likened this current situation to the schoolyard bully. Schoolyard mm-hmm. bully can get away with what they've been doing up until a certain yeah. point when right. finally someone is has had enough and they fight back. And I, right. I think that's what's happening right now is that I, it, it, yeah. it's finally starting to happen. The final people are finally angry enough that right. they're trying to do it peacefully. And then right. there's the handful that are ruining yep. it, but it, enough is enough at this point. No. It is, a, it is a very, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have words. I mean, I'm like, I understand and I stand with those people that are, that are out there and, 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 you know, trying to get their voice heard for something that is, that has been going on. Like, and when people say, Oh, it, it, has, it has been going on. I mean, Trayvon Martin, we have so many instances of, of this. And finally, I think there is a groundswell of, of, of people across this country and actually the world where they said enough's enough. This, this can't, this can't happen anymore. So yeah. Whew. Yeah. But hey. <laughs> and I'm not going to sit here and pretend to have answers and I'm not oh, going to sit here I've... and pretend that I know everything. No. I myself have a lot, have a lot to learn and yeah. I, I would love to have conversations about this right. kind of thing. And right mm-hmm. now it's, um, there's a lot of people that you can have a conversation with, but then there's yeah. a lot of people that are trying to shoot that conversation down too. So, That's very true. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so this is the Beer EDU podcast, number uh, 073. Um, I'm Ben Dixon. You can find me on Twitter at BDixonNV, also on Instagram, same thing. And you, my friend? I'm Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at AndersonEdTech, same with uh, Instagram. And AndersonEdTech.net is my blog site. And then you can also check out my book, To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk Taking. And there's a website for that, to edu.com and Instagram to the edge edu. So, and because this is the beer edu podcast and frankly, I think we all need a drink right now. Yep. It's beer 30. <laughs> so Ben, my friend, what do you have tonight? All right. So, um, I went with a local, uh, one of the originals, great basin, I think the original, um, up here. So I went with their death wish pale ale. Um, they did a, uh, they did a, um, a beer that kind of, uh, a tie in with moment skis, um, kind of to, to, to promote some skiing stuff. Um, but it's, it's a solid pale ale. I mean, 6.66 ABV I mean, what couldn't it be if it's death wish, right. um, doesn't, uh, no IBUs listed. Um, but it's, you know, it's a good, smooth pale ale, a little bit of caramel, pretty light. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I picked up a growler of it and then, you know, it's, it is good drinking. So you, my friend, you got something different. I do have something different. So I, I had to look back as you describing death wish here. I'm like, I feel like I had that one. And I did on I December 1st, 2018, yeah. I had one and I described it as a malt bomb Yeah. when I drank that. So, um, yeah, so I'd have to have another one in order to make another judgment on it. But, but yeah, you're right. I do have something a little bit different. So since I have returned to Las Vegas, I, Got my hands on some stuff that I hadn't had in a couple of years. I uh, wasn't available in the Reno area. This is a beer out of Lake Havasu City, a couple hours south of Las Vegas, and it is called Big Blue Van. It's from a brewery called College Street Brew House. This is a blueberry wheat ale, 5.4% ABV, okay. no IBU listed on it, and um, it's a pretty standard wheat ale with some blueberry flavoring. I, I don't know if you remember it at all. I remember this cereal fondly, Blueberry Morning. 
Do you remember, remember that cereal? I remember blueberry. I remember blueberry crunch, but I don't remember that. <laughs> blueberry is still around, but <laughs> hey, yeah, count there Chocula, was a cereal. Come on, <laughs> there was a cereal years ago called Blueberry Morning. It was flakes, wheat flakes, okay. some silvered almonds, and then dried blueberries in it. And okay, that this beer is basically the it's liquid like version cereal. of that cereal. All right. So it's a nice, easy drinker. Um, it's a hundred degrees in Vegas right now. So <laughs> this, is, this is a good lawnmower beer. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. So, Hey, we have a very special guest, um, uh, who I, we've been trying to do this episode for a little bit and, um, but, um, super excited. Joe Marquez is with us, your partner from sons of technology. So awesome. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here with you guys. Yeah, we've been trying to do this for ages. <laughs> Everybody's schedule doesn't ever <laughs> match. Just everything just keeps missing. Nope. It's like I when you try we to give a high five, and you completely miss. It just, I think we were work. trying to do it after we did the crossover episode, which was episode that 38. That was what it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's when we started. Yeah, we so tried to do it, and that was- 40-ish that was... episodes to get here. <laughs> there we go. A so, better late than never, right? There we go. Absolutely. Right so. Now, Ben, or excuse me, Joe, we, you got something to drink and you prefaced it with, please don't make fun of me. So you got to tell us. Automatically, I had to stop myself. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to have to explain when you introduce this, please. Okay. So I have, it has probably zero IBUs, probably zero (laughs) anything. I am drinking a White Claw hard seltzer. Now, let me tell you. Let me tell you, I wish I could have like a General Sherman IPA in my mm-hmm. hand or an Elysium Space Dust. Ooh. Those are my go-tos. Yes. But for the past 10 weeks, I have been working my butt off to lose weight and get in shape. Okay. I try to take to turn COVID into a positive. There we and, go. And, um, you know, I, I didn't want to be, you know, drinking a 300-calorie IPA. <laughs> Right. right. So with, with this, I see it's a hundred calories so I can do my calorie can't no problem. And many people may be going, oh, okay, another diet of this. I, I, I tell you, I'm trying to change my life and I've lost 60 pounds since wow. 60 pounds. There we go, dude. And, and, and people go, what's your secret? Well, I'm telling you, it's white claw. There's white claw. <laughs> white claw. It'll shed the pounds. Yeah, it no, it, I mean, it's just hard work. Right. And, and I, right I, when anybody's been asking me all this stuff, I go, it's, it's just like being a teacher, right? It's right. The, the easy way will lead you down a path of monotony and sorrow. The hard way will teach you lessons and you'll get tougher and you'll learn along the way. And so I'm doing it the hard way, right? I'm, I'm not doing any supplements. I'm not doing anything other than okay. waking up at five in the morning, running and drinking right my white claw. So <laughs> that's the secret. There it is. The There's white the claw diet. All right. I've- I remember the commercials from the early nineties for slim fast, where, where the the little can would get, get like a little slender at the end of the commercial. Does the white claw can do that too? It is. It's a small, there we go. go. Oh, there it is. Yeah. See, this will not do that. No, no. No. And the one I'm drinking is it tastes lighter, but I can guarantee it's probably still almost 200 calories for the can. I don't even want to know. Yeah. The COVID, the COVID 20 is real. That's all I'm going to oh, say. Oh, indeed. <laughs> so, well, Joe, welcome um, back once yeah. again. Like you said, better late than never. So uh, for those that may not have listened to episode 38 or and those that have never heard of you before, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah. Well, so I'm Joe Marquez. I am an educator out of the Central Valley of California. I spent 10 years teaching eighth grade science in the Central Valley of California. And during those 10 years, I was also an instructional technology specialist for my district. And um, during that time, um, I was able to meet up with some amazing people in an organization called Q, um, which really took me down a path of pushing myself and learning more. And it, it you know, allowed me to be presenting at conferences and starting to do keynotes. And through all of this, um, I was actually picked up um, by a company called CDW. And now okay. I get to be an education strategist for them, which, which basically to me means I'm in uh, uh, an ed tech TOSA for the entire okay. West Coast of the United States. And it's been a joy working with um, school districts up and down the coast of California, Oregon, Washington, Denver, Colorado, um, and just you know, sharing the love of technology and, and, and making sure teachers um, enjoy what they're doing and not, not seeing it as a burden or something new, but as an opportunity 
to try and change things that they've been looking to change. Yeah. And then out of that, also all those years, um, the brand, your brand, Sons of Technology right. was born out of that as well. Yeah. Sons of Technology, right? You're, uh, Kyle, you're my partner in innovation with that. Um, so the Sons of Technology came about because you know, I was talking with a group of educators and, and this is before like people started branding themselves. Mm-hmm. And I had made this shirt that said, oh, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm like a, a renegade. I'm someone that doesn't follow the lines. I don't follow the status quo. What show? Do, oh, you know what? Sons of Anarchy is that show. They don't follow the status quo. And so we made made a, a mock-up shirt like this. And people are like, oh, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I said, there's got to be something to this. Because part of inspiring people is getting them to come talk to you. And wherever I wore that shirt, people just gravitated to ask questions. And I started explaining to them our mantra. Um, and so then I had a student actually design the actual logos. Um, I, I said, I want it to look like the Sons of Anarchy, but geeked out with technology. And they came back with, with this logo right here. Yep. And um, then we just started our club. I, I, I started going to conferences. I started watching people present. I'm like, that's an amazing presenter. I would say, hey, do you want to join my bike club? And he's like, what the heck is that? And I just explained <laughs> to it. I said, there's, there's no strings attached. You get a free shirt. I'll give it to you. We don't sell these shirts. You get a free shirt and um, you just join the Twitter group and we just share ideas. And now we've grown to over 40 something members. Nice. We've grown with the podcast. We've grown with a, uh, a YouTube channel, which is um, helping mm-hmm. um, thousands of educators during this time. Um, and we really, we really strive to meet our mission. And the mission that we want to meet is just sharing the love of education with one another and, and making sure everybody's voice counts and everybody, mm-hmm. no matter what, can better themselves, no matter what station in life you're in or what point in the career you are. And in fact, you know, people see the word sons and they immediately think it's like a male club and it's not. We are not, we, we are not male. We're not female. We're just educators. People are like, well, why don't you do daughters? I don't want to separate anybody out. And so the sons is actually a takeoff of a Bible verse. And even if you're not into the Bible or anything, it's still a great verse just to live by. It says, you're the sons of light and the daughters of day. Um, Speak encouraging words to one another, build each other up, build each other hope so we can all be in this together. No one left out, no one left behind. I already know you're doing this, so just keep on doing it. So when we give these shirts out, it's we already know you're sharing the love, you're sharing the passion, you're sharing everything to teachers. This shirt is just to remind you that I thank you mm. for doing that, and I just want you to keep on doing it. And that's the mantra of Sons of Technology. We're here to help, we're here to guide, and we're here to inspire. Man, that's that's a good that is a good mantra for right now. Yes. But that 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 is that is some powerful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've heard you quote that a thousand times in, in the years I've known you. And uh, it's always struck me as being profound, but I mean, just hearing you say it again, considering how we started out this episode here, just this current situation here, Ben, you're absolutely right. I mean, that is a perfect mm-hmm. quote for mm-hmm. right now about building each other up, encouraging and not leaving anybody behind. And yeah, it, it, it's perfect quote for right now. I mean, what, what better thing to think about humanity than that? Right. If everybody right. lived by the mantra that we're all in this together, we're all in here to right. help, and we're not going to stop until you are capable and you are 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 there. We're just going to keep on helping. I mean, what mm-hmm. better mantra to do that? Whether it's education um, or just being a human, right? So, I mean, we 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 absolutely love it um, in the Sons of Technology, and and we absolutely love to uh, to share um, anything and everything we can with mm-hmm. with anybody we come into contact with. So, so then Joe, during this whole COVID-19, like how did that, how did that affect the work that you're doing? I mean, I can imagine, I can imagine that it kind of ramped you up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if, if you imagine, you know, I'm driving in a beetle and you, you <laughs> strap on a rocket, that's exactly what I'm in. That's exactly right. what educators are in right now, right? right? Everybody says that we're in distance learning. And I say, well, not really. You're in panic learning, right? You're in, right. you're in, you're in a pandemic learning. Right. We haven't really started distance learning yet, right? Because right. you've just been thrown into it. Um, but but my, my job has been, a, has been there to just support 
schools. I'm not there to help schools because that entails schools need help and schools right. don't need help. They need support. They need to know somebody's there that they can um, ask a question. They, they want to know mm -hmm. that they have um, a, a wide breadth of information from the United States because part of my job is doing research on everything across the United States. What are, what is, what right. are schools on the East Coast doing compared to the West Coast? Uh, what are reopening scenarios happening in the Midwest compared to the East Coast? So uh, schools need that information because they don't have all the time to do that research. And so, yeah, my time has been spent as with everybody else on zoom calls on the computer doing research right. and just helping out as much as I can. Well, just a quick side note here, your, your weight loss during this time, a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that you weren't on the road and eating out all the time because you've actually <laughs> been working from home. I, I tell you what, I mean, a lot of times I would schedule my, my hotel between the school I was going to go see and, and the best craft brewery around that area as well. <laughs> but I would do my research in that fashion. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I would go, I would go and, and I, I would wake up at five here, get on a plane, go and do my work. And right. the last thing I want to do is work out or run. I just want to right. eat, have a couple drinks and go to sleep and, yeah. you know, repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, so yeah, this COVID pandemic has allowed me to hit that reset button. Um, and man, you don't really know how much you need people until you have kind of this little bit of despair and you saying, man, I'm never going to get back to where I used to be, or I'm never going to get back okay. into shape. Is this what I'm going to be for the rest of my life? And yeah. I'll tell you, um, you know, um, Kyle, you've been helping me out in our, in our little Twitter group and Ed Campos, Roland. I mean, you guys keep me on point. You guys make sure that I understand and my family. I mean, mm -hmm. looking at my girls, I said, I don't want to leave them any earlier than I have to. So I'm going to do everything in my power uh, to be here for the long term. Um, so that was my power and passion. Um, but also, you know, I, I, I always tell teachers, the impossible is only impossible because you think it's impossible. Right. And mm -hmm. I always, I thought to myself, it's impossible to do this or that. It's impossible to lose 60 pounds by June. Cause that was my goal. I said, I want to hit 200 pounds by June. And I mean, that's impossible. But I wanted to prove to myself and to the world that even when I say the impossible is not impossible, I want to prove that. And not only in an education fashion, but in a lifestyle kind of fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully that's an inspiration to anybody who thinks I, I can't do this distance learning or I can't learn this right. new program or I can't do this. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. you, have, you put your mind to it. You get help. You can't do it alone. I could never do this alone. If I didn't have my friends and my family, I would never have done this. We have to work together. Teaching is a community. I always say this. I always say teaching is a collaborative sport. If you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. Could you imagine playing baseball and you're the only person on that team? There's no way you're yeah. going to win that, that game. Same thing with education. You're never going to win if you're doing it alone. And we have to make sure teachers understand that, that we're here for them and they have a support. So before everything, what, what was your primary focus with helping teachers in educational technology? I know you talked a little bit about how it's been doing your research to help districts out lately. Was that kind of what it was before as well or? No, not really. My, I, what I was able to do in those times is I would go to districts and um, one of my fortes is to, to kind of train the trainer, right? So I would sit in with technology groups, maybe the tech toasted teams, um, listen to what they're doing, listen to mm -hmm. the troubles that they're having, listen to what they would love to get to. And I would help with suggestions, little nudges, like maybe you should try this or maybe you should try that because I'm not there to rewrite your technology program. I'm not there to tell you you're doing anything wrong because that's not the case. My job is to kind of make little conjoling nudges uh, to, to, move, uh, to move something in a certain direction and do mm -hmm. that over the long term. Um, my job isn't a one and done day PD. My job is to ingrain myself into a school. And I always mm -hmm. tell the schools, I go, I, I may be an education strategist from CDW, but I want you to think of me as your education strategist provided by CDW. Mm -hmm. I want to be part of your team. My, my goal is not to sell you anything. My goal is not to get you to buy anything. My goal is to make sure that what you've already purchased is being used effectively, efficiently, and with joy in the classroom. And that's my job because there's nothing worse than a school district going one-to-one -one and they realize only half the teachers or even less than that are actually using right. the devices efficiently. So then I think, so Joe, thinking about your job before then now, like what, what do you see from your expertise? Like what is this going to look like <laughs> um, 
you know, for schools, for schools, maybe in, in September of next year, like what are they going to have to worry about, I guess? Well, so that's, that, I mean, that's the big question, right? Even, even here in California, the California DOE, DOE hasn't released their guidelines yet. Right. But based upon federal CDC guidelines, um, we've seen five scenarios right now mm-hmm. that schools are going to be looking at, right? right? All the way from everything's going to be fine. We're going to open up 100%. I'll tell you right now, that shouldn't and probably is never going to happen at the, right. at the beginning of the year. Um, mm-hmm. All the way to, you know, because of funds, because of logistics, we're going to go all distance learning for the first, right. you know, until over that all the way also to uh, adjusting schedules um, okay. meaning we're going to have some uh, half half the school come in in the a.m until like 11 30 um, there'll be an hour break to transition you know buses and stuff mm-hmm. and then the next group will come in from 12 30 to 3 30 mm-hmm. um but then that that's a logistical nightmare as well as well because right. you're thinking of bus schedules right right not only are you doing two times the number of trips um right. because you're doing it twice in a day but now you're having to use three more times of buses because you have to right. socially distance. So that's a, right. a two times three, right? That's, right. that's very difficult. Yeah. So schools are going to have to look at their community. They're going to have to look at their budgets. They're going to have to look at what they, the number one thing is look at your learning outcomes, look at your learning outcomes. And I think the hardest part about this whole distance thing is you cannot see your teacher face to face. Right. So if there was a way that even to have one day, like you have like four or five platoons, right? Where you're socially distancing across the week. And one day they, the kids come in face to face, they can talk to their teacher, get some face to face guidance, and then right. do the rest distance learning. But every day a new platoon of student comes right. in, that could work because you're still getting that face to face. But it all comes down to what, what does your school want? Um, what right. is the learning outcomes you want? And, and what do you want to overcome? And that'll mm-hmm. help you decide on which scenario you're going to use. Yeah, and it's, it'll be interesting to see how those scenarios are affected now with the current situation because now you've got, you've got a country that we've been doing a pretty decent job of socially distancing now for the past few months, and states have slowly started to open up. I know here in Nevada, as, when right. this recording drops, casinos in Nevada are going to be open yep. again. We're going to be open. And, and, but, but what you've also got is you've let, let, got literally thousands of people in the streets right now yep. that are not socially distancing whatsoever. And in fact, they are getting right up on top of one another. And are we going to see a massive outbreak of COVID as a result of this? Or right. is this going to be the thing that kind of uh, ushers in that herd immunity? Yeah. Or is it not going to may have an effect at all? Because I was reading an article earlier this week that uh, Italian health ministry officials are saying that those that are getting the COVID now in Italy, their symptoms aren't nearly as severe. And it's, it's a totally different animal than what it was months mm-hmm. ago when Italy was just absolutely racked by the, by the disease. So it'll be interesting to see what those scenarios that you were talking about the CDC are going to look like now as a result of this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's changing, you know, by the minute, by the day. I mean, you know, every morning when I do my walk with my, my dog, I listen to the Bill Nye podcast mm-hmm. and I, I get some really good information yeah. up in him, right? Ever, ever since junior high, I've trusted him, right? Bill Nye, the science guy, right? Hey, yeah. yeah, can't go Absolutely. wrong with Bill Nye. <laughs> but he has great guests and, and they, they tell it to you straight. Right. Um, right. You know, they, you know, you're talking about herd immunity right now. The country is about probably at a 12 percent um and herd immunity doesn't work until you're at like a 70 or 80 (laughs) percent so we're far off from that um and then the vaccine as well even though they are amplifying the vaccine normally they go by steps complete step one move to step two they're doing all the steps simultaneously because they can always backtrack they can't fast forward so they're trying to fast track everything so everybody's doing the right thing um we just Mm -hmm. have to be vigilant um my wife always says to me whenever i bring up schools and scenarios and this or that she's like but what has changed? She keeps saying, but what has right. changed? Because there's, there's, there's no vaccine or anything like that. Um, but, you know, hopefully the social distancing guidelines happen. Um, nobody wants to see masks on kids, but yeah. your masks, you know, in, on, on, on teachers uh, could be, uh, you know, a possibility or, or necessity. I've actually saw, seen a, ver- a couple of really good masks on Twitter where teachers have actually done the cloth mask and they cut out the middle and they put a, a plastic guard and Black, so yeah. in. and so you right. can still see the smiles and see the talking. That, I right. thought that was an amazing, uh, amazing uh, innovation for those masks. Um, but I, I just say, uh, 
for me personally, based on all the research I've done, based on all the science, my, I have a science a biology background. Right. right. Um, so I, I, you know, I worked in, in labs on, on DNA and RNA. Um, just everything that I heard, all the virology that I know about, it ramps up again in the winter. I mean, oh, yeah. that, that's why right. the flu season is always from, you know, um, right. October all the way through January because viruses love cold. Right. Um, so we're hoping, well, Kyle, in Las Vegas, you're really happy because viruses hate heat. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're good to apparently, go. apparently it shouldn't even be there. Kyle, come on. <laughs> <laughs> True um, story. But I just say stay vigilant, uh, vigilant and, right. and, and um, you know, small sacrifices now could be for right. huge payoffs later. And I tell school districts all the time, I go, you should not be planning for short-term changes in instruction for this thing. You should be looking at right. long-term pedagogical shifts that could benefit students. Right. Could you imagine high school kids that have, that now understand that distance learning can work for them and now they're going to be yep. forced back into a classroom? <laughs> Same thing with college kids. Yeah. Right? They're like, I love this. This is great. What are you going to force me back into a timeline for? Well, um, so yeah, that, I think those you're are right. things that have to be thought about. Uh, and I think we've talked about this a couple of times on different episodes where some of this, this situation for some kids, this works. This is like their jam. Like this is what they thrive in. And whereas other kids do need that social interaction and those things. But some kids, I think like, I, and I've said it before, I'm like, We've, we've always talked about like dipping our toes in the flipped learning and everything. And now man, we just all got pushed in the deep end and we had to figure out <laughs> it's going to be flipped. That's yep. there's no, no other way for us to be doing this. I mean, c- c- I mean, when, when I was, when, when I was teaching, um, um, you know, back in, you know, 2013, 2014, right. when I first started um, using technology pretty heavily, um, I, 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 I started getting, you know, in, in school, you always get those slips saying, this so-and-so is going to be out for a week. Can you fill out this form and, and give them enough uh, work to, to meet this many hours? And right. in the school district, I had, I had tons of those absence forms coming in. And I go, you know what? I'm going to treat every day like everybody's absent. I'm going to record right. my lesson every day. I'm going to live stream it on my YouTube channel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to archive it on our, on our uh, class page. And this was before Google Classroom was out. Um, so I did all of that. Everything I did, I documented and curated as if everybody was absent. Right. Uh, and my students loved me for that because they, they, the, the ones that missed it felt like they never missed it. Those that were very studious and wanted to go back and listen to a lecture because they knew a test was coming up, they were able to do that. Um, those that daydreamed the entire time were able to go back <laughs> and listen to things. Or yeah, we don't ever have those kids, right? Right. Um, so recording like that to me, I think prepared me to be able to help schools out with a hybrid model because right. I would teach that way to a face-to-face class, assuming there's going to be somebody listening. And the amazing thing is this, I had students who were absent following along the class because in the lesson I would put up um, uh, Nearpod codes and that student okay. who was absent would jump into the Nearpod. They would play the wow. Kahoot with us. They were playing the entire time. And that's because they knew that was available to them. Right. Um, and so if we could have that model still right. where, where attendance is on participation, even if it's in a digital environment, I think that could change the lives of many, many kids and solve the, um, the overcrowding of classrooms, especially in California. I mean, it's, it, it's not, it's not difficult to see 42 kids in a class at a time. Right. You mentioned, uh, you know, the students that are absent jumping in uh, right before the shutdown, I was setting up a GIM kit with one of my classes. And uh, if you've never used GIM kit before, I'm sure the two of you have uh, heard of this, but uh, for those listening, I haven't. GIM kit, it's a lot like Kahoot. It's a lot like mm-hmm. quizzes, but the points are more money-based. And then it's it's more cutthroat. The way, um, <laughs> the way it works is because yeah. you can set it up where the kids can spend their money on ways to sabotage their classmates. So if you've got that one kid well, there, that's just- Gamification. Yeah, the, if the, the, there's the one kid that's just running away with the yep. score, kids can sabotage them by. The, my favorite one is the blurring of the screen, where the, <laughs> their screen gets blurred and they can't see the answers, but then they can freeze them and whatnot too. Well, the one day one of my one of my high achieving students uh, was absent, and I look up at the screen and I see their name. I'm like, okay, who 
who took their name and put in his doing no he's really on there and one of the other kids in the class stood up and said yeah I texted him the gim kit code so he's at home playing it right now so <laughs> so and I mean that was before the whole thing right happened right. so but that's just Joe what you were talking about when your pod you can do that with so many different programs yes. I did it with gim kit I mean accidentally albeit but Pear Deck is another one where yep. you can either get the kid on there and a live one, or there's the student paste right. mode. Nearpod has theirs. Now you've got things like Flipgrid where the kids can get on and do things. Not no, not necessarily live, but I could post something in Flipgrid right now, record it, and then within minutes get responses right. back. Right. So they'll see it like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just it's one of those things that so many people fought the tech for so long, but then had to embrace it. And now what I'm seeing is you still have a handful that are just like, Oh, when this comes back to normal, oh, I'm not doing this stuff. No. But most people are asking for more. They want to know more about this stuff. I actually just, uh, before we re started recording this today, I got an email from a district in Northern California from the Google certified trainer forum asking, inquiring if I'd be able to, conduct some training for Google classroom and extensions for their district. So I, I haven't been able to respond yet as of this recording, but I'm, I'm going to be looking into that because I would love to help them out. You know, I always say everybody wants to learn how to work a parachute when they're thrown out of a plane. Right. So <laughs> oh yeah, we're in that mode right now. <laughs> yeah. So even the teachers, you know, who never would have wanted to skydive before they've been thrown out of the plane. Yeah. Now they're like, please show me. Please show me right. how to use this, right? And so right. they're 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 wanting to do that. And once again, just like you know, Ben, like you said, and Kyle, like you said, the hope is it sticks and it keeps yes. moving on. Right. Um, this is not a temporary fix. No. You're 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 there to to learn things to make a better experience for the students, but also a, a, a better experience for you, the educator. Right. Right. I mean, the whole purpose of technology is so that at any moment you can inspect student work and see right. if if the class is getting it. And then you can redirect the class if you notice the majority are not. Right. So that's the benefit of technology instead of waiting till Monday to take a quiz. I, I can't imagine anyone thinking like best case scenario, we all go back beginning next year. Everything is a hundred percent just like it was a year ago. I can't imagine classes looking the same way, just based on this, just based on like, like, we saw kids thrive in this environment. We saw, we saw teachers thriving in this environment. We saw what, what the power of technology can do with, with um, putting things into kids' hands independently. You know, I always think about, I think about the number of our parents that are now, I mean, I, I can't imagine, my kids are in their 20s, but I can't imagine like being a parent at home, trying to work at home and then having little kids. And I know Joe and, and Kyle, you both have kids at home. It's like, my, my, I get parents, I have parent meetings and they're just like, I can't do this. <laughs> and I'm like, that's because you're the parent. They're not going to listen to you. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but I think that I think you're going to see when we come back, there's going to be a swell. I mean, I would hope I, I just, maybe I'm an optimist. I just, the way we've been teaching and, and running schools for the last hundred and something years, like this is like, okay, that's not going to work, especially in this situation. Yeah. And the next, and, and then here's the thing. Like this isn't going to be an isolated incident. We mm -hmm. all know that this is the way things evolve and things like that. Like who knows what it'll look like. You know, it, it's funny too, cause we've, I've said before that, um, you know, we, the tech tosas, we, the technology people on campus have been shouting this from the rooftops for years and years. Just let me show you this. Let me show you how much benefit. And we were looked at that, like we were looked at as that crazy person. Mm -hmm. And now we come back, we're like Obi-Wan Kenobi, like show me the magic, <laughs> right? And so it goes to show you that the way you look at somebody is perspective, right? You, you may look at them in one way because you don't want to do that. And now you look at him other ways because he's the only one who knows how to do that. And so, I mean, it's this perspective. And so right. it shows that fine line between, you know, crazy man on a mountain and old wise man on a mountain. It's, it's, it's crazy. Well, and, you know, teachers are one thing with the resistance uh, nice Star Wars reference again, right? <laughs> um, but um, the, the ones I worry about are administrators, okay? Now, Ben, you're a forward-thinking guy. You're not the ones I'm worried. You're not the type of administrator I'm worried about. But there are administrators out there that are still walking into classrooms to conduct observations with a clipboard, a legal pad, and a pencil. Mm -hmm. And then they're trying to write evaluations based off of that. So mm -hmm. it's those administrators I worry about. Are they going to realize what this was and then 
embrace the fact that we have to move forward with the technology, with the ways that we can reach kids in a distance learning situation that we know is going to happen again? Mm -hmm. Or are they just going to be as unprepared as many of them already were? So I I have confidence that many are realizing it. So um, my school that I'm still currently at, um, right. my principal, not the most tech per, techie person, right. but realized the importance. And we're at a one-to-one school. So, so my school wasn't so much of an issue. The school that I'm going into in Las Vegas, the principal there, I, I was invited to their last staff meeting and, and she straight up said, I'm not a tech person. I know nothing about it, but this is the, this is the way it's going to be. And if you don't know about this stuff, you need to start getting trained up on it. And, well, and then she mentioned me, not by name, but she mentioned me saying, I've got a new person coming in. It's a Google certified trainer. That's going right. to help me help you out. So I know the school I'm going into is going to be a situation that's going to be great, but I just wonder about a lot of other schools. I think it's going to come at a district level because districts are like, they're looking at this and they're like, we can't do like, like, it, the the pandemic the there's no like like Joe Joe you said it there's no there was no distance learning it was panic learning we mm-hmm. just all kind of just we were just getting by every day like we're just we're just gonna get to the end of the year and I th- I think districts looked at that and said we're not we can never do that again yep you know it's so I would think I would think they'd be there and I'm sure you know Joe this would be more work for you Kyle definitely you're going to see more districts reach out and say okay what do I need what do I need to get my my staff ready and then what do I need to get parents ready because that's my big thing is like we we do a lot with in this case scenario we have a lot of kids at home learning with their parents and their parents are learning with them I've had multiple meetings with parents where they're like they don't know our jargon. They don't know like all our stuff. Like we, you know, you talk about doing this and they're like, I don't understand what that is. So, you know, I see a whole component that way too, where we're going to have to do professional learning for families. Yes. And, and one thing is this, I I think you both are dead right about administration and and district level administration as well. Not, not just site administrators, Mm -hmm. but district administrators. So I want everybody to know that there is a, um, a distance learning leadership summit that is happening on June 16th, 17th, and 18th, specifically for school leaders and school administrators. And it's 100% free. Um, And we have many Sons of Technology members presenting at this um, so that administrators can see what's possible. They can see what changes other districts are doing across the United States. Um, So it's just a great opportunity for, for those administrators to see things in action before they have to make a decision. Um, so I, I'm, uh, hopefully we can throw the link to that in yeah, the, in the will, show notes sure. um, yes. because it's, it's going to be a really great opportunity for administrators to actually open their eyes if, if they you know hadn't been opening them right. these past few months, which I don't think they had not. Yeah. And then, I mean, not only do we have your event that uh, you have coming up, but I know a lot of the Q affiliates in California yeah. and Nevada are doing some different things. Uh, Q of Nevada, I know June 23rd and 24th, is going to be holding uh, an event here, and I'm trying to find. Um, it's called Cued Up, C U E apostrophe D Up Virtual Conference. It's going to be online. Um, got some, there's some great speakers lined up on that one. Like uh, Heidi Carr is putting it together, president of Q Nevada, and then I know Mike Lang of the Intelligent Hoodlums is yep. uh, part of that I one. Randall Sampson is going to be part of that one as well. Um, I, I can't remember the rest of the. There are some amazing people speaking at that virtual event. And I think that one's going to be free as well. So just look around. I mean, there's, if you type in free virtual conferences right now, you're probably going to get a hundred hits on yeah. something. Yeah. It, it's this, like a smorgasbord. Right. You know, Las Vegas reference. Well, it's like a smorgasbord. of the buffet. Of, of, style. A, a buffet. <laughs> the there biggest you know, buffet a, ever. <laughs> the biggest. You take, take, take all the learning you want, please. We're dishing it out. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of that, though, too, the, the thing that, you know, we're talking about, like, how schools are going to change and how leadership's changing and how we do things is changing. What about professional development? Now, mm-hmm. we used to yes. do, it was always in-person conferences, you know, going to things like Spring Q or right. Q Nevada or other Q affiliates, ISTE or whatever. And, you know, everything has gone virtual right now. And what's really the incentive to hold something in person if you can get some high quality stuff virtually now? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're going to see more people. And I think 
well, and then go out from that. You think about the business world now where they're looking at like, okay, do we have to have people come into work all the time? Do we have to have people flying across the country to go to conference? I love conferences. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I love a great conference, but I can see where people are like, okay, districts, districts are not going to have, districts are going to be strapped for cash, right? That's just the way it's going to be for multiple years. So now are people, you know, I can see definitely forward thinking groups like Q stepping forward with like what they did with spring Q promote it that way. But I think you're going to see more and more of these big, I can see more big education groups doing their conferences virtually because you're not going to have the kind of, kind of uh, attendance that you would face to face. And then, okay, so what does that look like? So now you have a whole different kind of way to present PD. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's there's conferences across the United States that I've been I've been able to be a part of because it's virtual. There's no right. way I'd be able to take the time out to yeah. fly all the way down to New Hampshire and do right. a conference, but you can do it virtually, no problem. So it opens up a lot. And I think it actually allows people to see the possibilities of what mm-hmm. can be done in a virtual conference. I think right. Q showed how it can be done really well. CVQ yep. showed how it can be done really well. And I'm sure a Q Nevada is going to show how it can be done really well. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if this then, like you said, becomes a norm because of finance finances and because right. I, I love to be able to do three or four sessions of PD right out of bed. Right. Right. I mean, it's amazing. Well, and I think that's, that's that whole idea. And I mean, definitely, you know, people listen to the podcast, people on Twitter and those, we've all been talking about this. We're like, no, this is, this is your PD, the PLN. That, that's how you do it. Now I'm like, now people are really seeing the power of that. Absolutely. Well, and I guess we'll see come November when ISTE, well, if they're able to, has their conference that would be happening at the end of June. They pushed it to the end of November instead. So, which that one, it's going to be, are people going to feel safe enough to go? Right. Are people going to be able to, uh, are they going to want to take time off school to go? Because there was always a summer thing before. And the third one is, will the school let them go? Because you're talking, it's right around that Thanksgiving break time leading yeah. up to that winter break time. Is a school really going to want to let somebody go for three, right. four days right around that well, time of the year? I'll tell you this as well. It's, it's in Anaheim, right near Disney during, during the, the Disney's busiest season. Okay, so when can I get season. my tickets? Let me right? see. <laughs> well, it's the winter season. So those, the, yeah. those, those prices of those hotels are not going to be cheap. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so, true. And it's never cheap around ISTE anyway. No, I mean, ISTE- <laughs> I've never been to an ISTE because by the time you get a hotel room in ISTE conference time, I mean, you're talking 2000 bucks just for the hotel yeah. a lot of times. So, and we're yeah. looking at my wife, she wants to go to her organization, ASHA. They have their conference in San Diego this year around that time as well. And San Diego is just an expensive city to begin with. And yeah, you know, that's a, but that's another one is ASHA going to be able to hold a conference. Are people going to want right. to go, especially at that time? I mean, who knows? Well, and I wonder, I mean, because I do think there's value in a face-to-face. I really do. I think there's, I think there's, that's one of the great things about doing that. So then does, do these conferences then start to scale themselves down and do like, I don't know, smaller sessions? Yeah, hybrid conferences. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know how you do that. Yeah, well, I was, I was talking to John Carippo, right? We could kind of debriefing with the Q thing. And I said, I think it went really well. Um, I said, could you imagine there being two tiers of Q, right? Face-to-face and virtual, right. because then you can get some national speakers you wouldn't normally get. And you can, you can have these virtual people have a taste of Q without them actually having to travel. And so a hybrid uh, model yeah. for that Q conference. Um, and he's like, that's exactly what we're thinking about. So I'm like, yeah, good. See wavelength. It's perfect. But I think you're absolutely right. There's going to be a change, just like there should be a change in the classroom. Right? right, because we now see what is possible, and the innovation spirit of people are 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 it's just twisting in their brain, and they're seeing, oh, okay, we don't have to do it this way. We can do right. it this way, and it can still be effective. Well, and if you go to that hybrid model, Q has been doing their spring conference in Palm Springs for years, and you know it gets expensive uh, packing that many people in the Palm Springs during that time. And one of the main reasons I, I've had this conversation with John and other of the executive board of Q before why, why can't you shift it to other places? And it, it boils down to cost. Whoa, you know? whoa, hold on, hold on. As somebody from Reno in March, I, I am, I'm down with, I'm down with Palm Springs. I'm just well, saying. True. It's, <laughs> so yeah. Cause Reno, March, Kyle, you've been here in March. Yes, you know, I get it. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, but at the same time though, 
doing that hybrid model, all yeah. of a sudden it gives them the opportunity that where a typical spring Q conference was like 5,000 people, limit it to 2,000 people right. in person. And then you can move it to a smaller city to make it still affordable mm. and, and get people to go in person. But then you offer that virtual version and then as you well. might pull so, another 5,000 out of that. So now you've, you've grown that. Yep. Yeah. That's a good point. And well, it's all about CBQ, brand visibility as well, right? Right. Yeah. Well, right. Joe, you, you are a part of that inner circle with CBQ. How many people end up doing your virtual conference? Uh, well, so they capped it at a thousand and there was a waiting list. Wow. So, yeah. So, and, and the reason it was capped out of a thousand was because, you know, we didn't know how the, the cue board didn't know how much, how many people could be in each session. So right. they didn't want to overload it. Um, right. So yeah, they capped it at a thousand and there was a waiting list. I mean, wow. people were yeah. tweeting saying, I want to go. How can I get in? How can I get in? That well, close it. And had that been face to face, how many people would you have uh, capped at or expected to purchase tickets? Uh, normally a CBQ conference will get about 350 to 450 uh, okay. participants. So you basically doubled your participation rate with the virtual version. So, so now if you do the hybrid version, you could realistically expect 250 people in person and then you still have, could have over a thousand people do it virtually then. Yeah. And, and I, I don't want to, you know, take any credit for the CBQ conference. That was all Ed Campos, Susan Stewart and the, and, and, and that team over there and they did an amazing job. Um, but yeah, they, if, if, if the capabilities were there and, and they had, they threw it together relatively quickly and they did a phenomenal right. job with it. Um, um, but you know, when you do it, look at it in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, with, with zoom capabilities being able to extend past right. 250, I mean, sky's the limit of how many people could come to a virtual conference. That's a great, yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. That's well, and that's the sky's limit on what, what we're able to do as educators. Um, if, and when we're going to be in this situation again, because, you know, Ben, I think you said it earlier about how we all got kind of thrown the deep end in for the most part, we, you know, everybody learned how to swim relatively quickly and it, what, where does that better, much better prepared for the future when this happens again? And just imagine what we're going to be able to do as educators in the future when this happens. So. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I've seen some amazing things. I mean, my teachers at my school just stepped up. I mean, I, I'm, I can't even imagine the amount of like effort and time that they put in and, and how much they care about their kids. It's been super hard. And I think any teacher, no teacher went into this saying, okay, so I'm going to be a teacher and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach from my computer and I'm going to stay home. Yes. I mean, you know, that, that like, everybody's like, that's not what I signed up for. But I think, I think I've seen, a, you know, not just in my own school, but in my, but in my district and then just people I interact with, um, you know, across the country people like it's pretty amazing what people can do when we're we're a we're a pretty uh um creative species when we put our minds to it oh absolutely and and, and i think that's one of the things is sometimes we have to be forced to stretch right. our abilities um For sure. and and then we're when we're when we're forced to do that we're amazed at the at the outcome um and it, it's always because you know the the hardest things to accomplish in life they're they're never easy and so when something's not easy, it's so easy to say, you know what, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stop. Right. But when you're not given the opportunity to stop and you, all, all you can do is keep on trying, yep. amazing things can happen. And I think that's what we're seeing all across, all across the United States. Now, Joe, we would be remiss to have you on and not talk a little bit briefly about hacking EDU because you are <laughs> yes. like the hacking king. Um, so real quick, just what, what do you mean by hacking EDU? And then give us a couple of your favorite hacks. Well, yes. So yeah, I mean, that's what some the sons of technology is known for is the hacking mm. of tools. And, and when we say hacking of tools, it's just using them in a different way than they were originally intended or using it with a feature that the company didn't know we could actually do that. Um, so that's what we mean by, by hacking. And so one of my favorite ones um, is... Um, especially during this time of distance learning is the Pear Deck adventure hack where okay. you can actually create a linear Pear Deck and then you can predict the part where the students are going to have a difficult time and create three different paths, um, hard, medium, and easy. And you tell the students which one, it feel, which one you should go to just make your feeling and they'd click on it. And when they're done, it takes mm -hmm. them back to the linear path. So it allows for asynchronous differentiation. So it's a really fun, fun little hack to use with Pear Deck. Um, oh, cool. Another cool Pear Deck hack is turning on the closed captioning 
for, um, for Google Slides. Um, as long as you're using the Pear Deck Power Up Chrome extension, when you start up your Pear Deck, if you really quickly go down to the bottom and turn on the captioning in the slide deck, it'll stay okay. on for the entirety of the time. So that's a fun one. Um, one of my absolute favorite hacks is the Quizzes Kid Creator Hack. Um, this is where uh, Quizzes allows you to upload a, um, an Excel file um, to create your quiz. And so what I did is I created a Google form that uh, has the students ask a question, give four possible answers, which of those answers is correct, and how long should the students have to answer that question. And once, the, once it's done, it takes a matter of five minutes. The teacher just uploads that Excel file, and boom, a, a class created quiz in a matter of five minutes. So that's a pretty fun one as cool. well. Yeah, I remember the, the Pear Deck one with the, the closed captioning. That was right. one that you had, you had texted me one day about that, asking if it was possible. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't think so. But um, let, let's see what we can figure out. And I sat down to start kind of plugging away, and you texted me right back. like, I got it. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and you just like, hold up a second. Ten minutes later, you sent me a YouTube video of it, like, <laughs> like ready to go. I'm just like okay, well, first of all, congratulations for finding Second of all, you made my life easier because now I don't have to figure it out. That was, that was great. Well, one of the funniest things is, uh, you know, when I, when I troll Twitter, I guess that's a bad thing to say, but when I, when I, when I scroll through Twitter, I look for problems. People are asking mm -hmm. questions, look for problems, and I try and go and solve them and then come back with a YouTube video saying, hey, I did it for you. Here it is. Yeah. You know, um, people, people have called me the EdTech MacGyver. Because you know, you can take little pieces here and there, and right. and, and and fit together a, an explosive lesson. Um, so that's what we love doing. I mean, not not only hacking uh, apps and using them in a different way that the company never expected, but also app smashing multiple apps together to create a different experience or a different right. function. So those are extremely fun. Like for for high school English teachers. Um, who always say, I don't like using computers because I want them to have the paper and the pencil and the highlighter right. and all those things. We created a whole routine on how to annotate the internet with the five top Chrome extensions. And it, oh, looks, cool. just, it looks just like um, you, you would find any high school paper with um, right. red highlighter, blue highlighter, lighter, right. red pen, anything like that, all done wow. digitally right off the internet. That's cool. No, that, that is pretty cool. So, and they're fun. I love doing them. I mean, I enjoy it. I love a good puzzle. I love a good, <laughs> I, I, I love a good uh, when somebody says, I can't figure this out. I love to figure it out. Um, I just love to help. And uh, I get a rush when I do it. Well, if That's someone's awesome. looking for that help, where can yes. they find you online? Cause there's a lot of different places they can connect with you. Yeah. So they can absolutely find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Joe Marquez seven zero. Um, you can find me on Instagram uh, the same way, but I, I mainly uh, work off of Twitter. You can also take a look at our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash sons of technology. We have uh, multiple uh, hacks that we've already recorded and placed on there. And if there's not a hack that, that you, that you need, or you have a hack that you want, please definitely email us uh, Joe Marquez seven zero at gmail.com or sons of technology edu at gmail.com ask for the hack and we will do our research and we'll get it done for you and we'll post it on the youtube channel and then we'll tag you in it awesome yeah definitely check out check yeah check out joe you have tons of information you are and and it's and you're always there to help people so yes definitely reach out yep. well and, and i'm going to shamelessly plug uh the podcast by yeah there's that other thing you guys do too isn't <laughs> so, it so <laughs> you know considering that um i co-host that one with you so <laughs> That, that was a fun one to put together. So um, when when you and I were talking about a presentation for a conference together one time, uh, which we did remotely, by the way, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that, that that podcast was born out of that. So we're, we, we've got, I believe we're cool. 37 episodes in now. And uh, the same time that this one drops here, yep. we are going to be dropping a pretty hard hitting one uh, with some very yep. special guests on Sons of Technology. So you can find that one on all the uh, podcast apps as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, the sense of technology podcast, you know, we don't shy away from the tough questions and, and right. the, the topics that people kind of shy away from. And, and we absolutely feel just like we talked about at the beginning of this, um, this podcast, it would, it would be irresponsible for us to do a podcast and not mention all the hardships that are going on right yeah. now. And we wanted to make sure we did it right. So, you know, that is exactly why we are getting guests on so that we can, we can have experts speak to our listeners. 
And I think that's that I, I applaud you guys for that too, because I think that's, that's the thing that has to happen in this situation. And we're talking about, you know, the protests and all those things going on. we had talked about them kind of at the beginning. We talked about them a little before we started recording. I mean, I think, I think that's what has to happen is we have to get voices to the table. And I, I think that what you're seeing is definitely a result of people's voice not being heard or ignored. And I think that's why, you know, I applaud you guys for bringing all people, people together. Cause people definitely will have different viewpoints about how this is, how this should play out, you know? So I think that's, that's cool. That'll be a, definitely a listen to. Absolutely. So, all right, listeners, keep this conversation going, share some of your thoughts on today's topics. Email us at info at beeredupodcast.com. Tweet us at beeredupod, hashtag yep. beeredupod. Hit us up on Facebook. Um, and I'd also be remiss not to mention those on Facebook Live tonight that were yep. watching this as we record. Thank you. Uh, you can yes. find us on Facebook, Beer EDU Podcast, all one word. Uh, Instagram, Beer EDU Pod. We have our YouTube channel, bit.ly slash Beer EDU YouTube, all lowercase. Follow Joe at Joe Marquez 70 on Twitter. And then also the Sons of Technology. Send us a voice message using the Anchor app. Leave us a review wherever you're listening so more can find the podcast. And if you'd like to be a guest, our website, beeredupodcast.com. Click on the contact and subscription Thanks. info link and complete our guest form. Yeah, so definitely hit us up. We would love to have you on the show. Absolutely. So now, Joe, stick around. Yep. You and I are going to get schooled. Ben has got something <laughs> awesome for us here tonight. Yes. So. Uh, because Ben has the experience with this one a little bit. So Ben, tell us yes. a little bit about the basics of home brewing. Yeah. So, so we were talking about what we were going to do and, and I have brewed beer before. Um, I've brewed beer many times with my brother-in-law. We've, we've also made wine. We've made moonshine. We, yeah, we've tried different things. Let's just leave it at that. So, so when I did this one, I kind of went down the rabbit hole because there is a ton of stuff out there. I mean, anybody, if you're listening to this, I guarantee in your town, there's a homebrew group. And I know, Kyle, you know, there's a group in Carson, I think. Yes, I um, uh, worked with um, a couple gentlemen that were part of that group. And then right. the, the Southern, Southern Nevada Ale Fermenters Union, otherwise known as SNAFU, here in Las Vegas, I used to judge their homebrew competitions before I moved. But now that I am back, I've already talked to a couple of the members about when things settle down about right. getting involved with Snafu again. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, there's tons of stuff out there. I mean, like there's a bunch of links that I put in the show notes. I won't go through all of them. A lot of them are like Reno homebrew, homebrew which is where like I got my stuff. Um, you know, there's, you can find stuff all over the internet. I mean, you can get on Amazon and find some basic stuff. I would definitely suggest people, if you really want to get into it, go and talk to somebody. Once, once you can go and talk to somebody in person, it's a great way to like learn about this. Um, and I, I, I tell people, I just try it. I mean, just try the, what's the worst that can happen. It, it doesn't ferment and I'll get into why that happens. Or in my case, you wake up at two in the morning with bottles exploding in your kitchen. So don't fill them too high. That's all I'm going to say. So, and don't, and don't bottle condition with them filled too high, right? That's right. Yes. So, okay. So basically, you know, it really just starts with, you got to get some essential equipment. So it's really a, a four gallon pot. You can buy a giant lobster pot, you know, you need basically some restaurant grade plastic buckets. And usually it's you do two, you know, you need a, 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 plastic bucket for sanitizing everything and bottling. And then you need a fermentation bucket and that has a special lid with a hole in it. You have to have an airlock and a stopper. Um, much like if you were to do anytime you do like fermentation, like pickling things, you have to have a way to let that air release. So you that was the have exact those. thing I was thinking of was when yep. we used to make, uh, my mom would make pickles or um, yeah. we'd make sauerkraut. Yep, exactly. So it's the same kind of thing. And then you can get like some nylon bags for adding your hops to your boil and things like that. You want to put your, your stuff in. Um, and then there's, you need a racking cane. So that's how you siphon the beer out. Um, and then they, they make some higher grade ones um, that, that do it automatically. Um, you need food grade sanitizer. So that's basically either anodine, iodine based or acid based. Um, sanitizing things is your number one thing you have to do. It really is. There is no, the reason beer goes bad is because it's not clean. It's just basic, basic biology. Like 
some sort of something is in your bottles that's not or in your in your bucket or something like that that's not allowing your yeast to do its job um, and so then you know you can get a hydrometer or a hydrometer jar uh, waterproof thermometer um, and then you need some bottles bottle caps uh, a bottling wand I, we used to use we just recycled all our bottles and we would just run them through the dishwasher multiple times to make sure they're clean um, make sure you take the labels off or you make your wife really mad um, so <laughs> Um, and then, you know, you can buy bottles. One of the things that I think one of the best things, uh, we had a pretty nice uh, bottler that we can mount to a, to a table and actually put it out in a, on a workbench. And then um, the biggest thing, I think the best thing I ever bought was called the wart chiller. So what that was is you had to cool down your wart to get it to, to really kind of, otherwise you have to wait a long time. You want to cool it quickly. So what it looks like is a, mine was a popper, pipe just in a spiral and I'd run a hose through one side and out the other and run cold water through it and it would chill that wart really fast. Um, you can usually buy this stuff as kits. Um, everything that you need including um, your you know your first batch of beer. What do you want to make? You want to make an ale? You want to make a stout? They usually have kits. They run um, anywhere from like a hundred bucks up to like a deluxe kit with a wart chiller. They're about 250 bucks. So that's pretty much it. And I mean, here's the thing, you just, it's basically following the directions. And, um, you know, I, I equate it to, um, it's more baking than cooking. So when I cook, I kind of make things up as I go. I think your first time doing a beer, you really want to follow the directions. As you get more proficient with it, you can start to experiment, but it's kind of like that baking. What are your exact amounts? You know, what am I putting in? Cause really we're talking about chemistry here. Right. There's about. a lot more science involved in there baking is. and brewing than there is in cooking. Exactly. Exactly. And again, I cannot stress, I think the number one thing um, I would say is, is talk to some people about it or, or find a good book. There's tons of books out there. Um, buy a kit. It's really, you're talking, you're talking a hundred bucks. And if you drink beer, save your bottles and that'll save you a bunch of money. And then just clean everything. That's <laughs> in my experience, there was something we didn't clean well enough. And then, you know, there's nothing worse than making a whole five gallons of beer and then going, Oh, that is the worst thing ever. Or it doesn't ferment. That's, that's usually what happens. So that's pretty much it. And then once you do that, I mean, you can try making root beer. I know I have some friends that make ginger beer. Um, you know, then you can move on to making wine or mead, those kind of things. It's all kind of similar, but yeah, I would, I would suggest if you're interested, if you like drinking beer, um, I would suggest you try brewing your own. I, I've wanted to for a very long time. Um, I very limited experience with it. One of my roommates in college had one of those Mr. Beer kits. Those yes. Little, those little like orange <laughs> keg, those yeah. little oranges keg looking things that made that, about a gallon yes. of beer. And I, I can remember- work? It did. It did work. We made, I remember we made like three different batches, you know, just, just some basic type stuff. But right. the one that sticks out the most was Sam Adams cherry wheat had come out and okay. we found a clone recipe for the Mr. Beer kit. And we decided we're going to make this. Well, like you said, you got to follow the instructions. We put right. too much cherry in it. So it ended up becoming like, I mean, this Cough stuff syrup. was bright red. <laughs> It was bright red, and I mean, it was like it was cherry wine, essentially what it was. Okay. Well, then we we took it out too soon, I think, and I mean, we just we, we were bottling it in like like you said, just leftover beer bottles and whatever. Yeah. Well, then they sat in the back of the fridge for a while, and they got a little bit more powerful oh, uh, yeah. with it. So then, all of a sudden, like one of those was like you you had a nice little buzz going on. With it, so. Those are, those are, that's your bottle fermentation right there, my friend. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. So yeah, 23 year old me, uh, that, that was amazing, but <laughs> no, it's something I've always wanted to do it, but I just have never had the time or, yeah. the, or the energy to yeah. go out and get the stuff. And, and this is a great comprehensive list of, I mean, just looking at the list here, you could get anything, everything you need really for probably around a hundred bucks Yeah, it's, for a basic set. I did some research and I looked on a multiple sites just to kind of like, and I think my main list came from the homebrew, uh, Reno homebrew group here in Reno. But I mean, you can, there's people online. We're talking anywhere from, you can, I mean, you can buy like super deluxe, like you want to start kegging your beer, then you like, you go way up on that, that, that cost range. But it, 
you know, you start at a hundred bucks and then you buy your ingredients and everything like that. It's not the time that it takes is more waiting for it to, to do its job. So, I mean, like with my brother-in-law, we would, we would do our five gallons and then stick it in the back closet somewhere and wait, you know, check it every couple of days. And then when it was ready, we'd take it out and then start. And the bottling takes a little bit of time, but otherwise, no, it's not a super, it, it's not as involved, I think, as people think. Yeah. Well, and another suggestion just from talking to people and just basic thoughts on it is don't start out with trying to make like a triple IPA or yeah. something like that. Right. You know, start out with something really basic that is not going to be screwed mm-hmm. up easily. Like, you know, just a basic like stout or something like that. It's yep. a good starter beer. And definitely don't try to start with a lager unless you live in a cold climate to where you can keep it cool easily because like where I'm at right now, even with air conditioning, keeping it, I'd never be able to lager. You'd never be able to cool it. It's hard to cool it down so much. So I, I actually, in the ones we started with were were stouts. We did a couple stouts, Mm -hmm. we did a Porter. And then I think we then tried, we cut, we've tried a couple IPAs, like you said, are kind of challenging because there's a whole timing thing with the hops and everything. Well, how so. long you boil the hops for? Are you going to dry right. hop after the boil? Right. I mean, there's so many right. different steps. So, so all those great beers that your favorite brewers are making, that comes after countless yeah. attempts at trying to perfect right. that beer. I, I can't even imagine how many gallons of beer are dumped just in the <laughs> testing process. Well, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's pretty much it. I mean, I would encourage people to go out there and, and give it a shot. It's It's super fun. I mean, you know. There's nothing better than making your own beer. Yeah. Well, and you get and, like two cases, of three cases of beer. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking of, um, you know, hops and whatnot, you know, we mentioned this before, but um, in a future episode, you're going to talk about how to grow your own hops a little yes. bit too. So that's on my list of things. Yes. I have a space and everything, although it's getting warm. So I'm not really sure how it, I, I have to do some more research on that. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, Ben, great info there. So, and Joe, once again, thank you for joining us, um, crossing over to, to this one here. I I think another crossover episode down the road someday might be Mm -hmm. in the cards. So definitely looking to doing that. So, and then listeners, of course, you know, we, we thank you for your support. Facebook yep. Live, thank you for joining in. And Thanks, everybody, your on comments Facebook and support Live. and everything. And uh, until next time, may the malts and the hops be with you. Right on.